Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're being asked as individuals to do better and to do more. Unhealthy, toxic, masculine and feminine traits. It's not working anymore. I look at indigenous cultures around the world, prioritise rites of passage, and I think that's been lost in a sea of children raising children, meaning that there are adults that are still regressed in their childhood development. There's this vicious cycle and we're not creating the space to actually heal and move in the wholeness that we are. Oof. It begins at a very early age. Having the presence of healthy men in their lives men that are well-adjusted, men that are intentional, men that actually care about their own well-being and the well-being of their communities, men that carry very particular virtues and value sets and are able to delineate and express that with great clarity and to be role models for these boys growing up into adults that eventually at some level will impact the world. The more available we make ourselves to the world, the more we, the more we contribute in meaningful ways. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. Keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself. Do us a solid. Subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired. Keep evolving. Victimization, self-worth, masculinity, femininity, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with others, and ultimately our relationship with our higher power, universe, God. This is an incredible conversation about relating. And guys, please like, comment, and subscribe on this video. It helps so much more than I can say. And without too much further ado, today's podcast. Welcome back to the Inspired Evolution. And we have with us today, Inspiring Our Evolution, Stefanos Sifendor. Stefanos, how are you, brother? 
Good man. You're one of the very few people that have said my last name correctly as it's intended in Greek. Well done. Thank you so much, brother. I think I think the um the 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 being Indian kind of helps a little bit. It helps you roll your R's and all and all those sort of yes, things sir. that uh, yes. that cultures invite us to do. Um, yes. For those tuning into Stefanos for the first time, give me two quick secs. He's well in the world of personal growth and relationship experts and transformation. I I don't know. Like I have to say, obviously, he's a relationship expert and coach. But I feel like that is such a one-dimensional moniker um, for all the ground that we're going to cover in today's podcast. Um, he definitely blends Eastern wisdom with, you know, the, the the Western strategies, like the way the Western mind likes to sort of rationalize things, but then opening up to the depths and the, the wellspring of wisdom that is Eastern philosophy. I think integrating the two is definitely what I find he empowers individuals to do um, through what seems like mostly relationship coaching on the surface, but it ultimately ends up being our relationship with self so yeah there's a there's a quote and um i don't know who it's attributed to stefano so maybe you can correct me because i've heard it's been attributed to the um the jesuits but they say if you hand me the boy before the ages of seven and obviously this is i'm saying boy because that was the quote um but i'm sure it translates to boy and girl um if you hand me the boy before the age of seven i'll show you the man and i know developmental psychology is like one of the it's like the beating heart of of your work in many ways um would you say so and then if you can just tell us what that means to you and what you found through your interests and yeah, how, how true does that ring or am I completely off the mark? Yeah. What does that quote mean to you? Yeah, man, it means a lot to me. And what, a, what I start with when I hear that, I think, I think it's a Jesuit quote. I, I could also be mistaken as well. Um, but what I, what I hear when I um, receive that quote is this opportunity we have to be surrounded by very deliberate men as we transition from boyhood to manhood. And I'm not saying that that transition is going to be when we're seven years old, right? Um, but one could say or one could argue or one could posit that it begins at a very early age and having the presence of boys, having the presence of healthy men in their lives, men that are well-adjusted, men that are intentional, men that actually care about their own well-being and the well-being of their communities, men that carry very particular virtues and value sets specific to that culture and community and are able to delineate and express that with great clarity and to be role models for these boys uh, growing up into adults that eventually at some level will impact the world, whether that's their immediate world of themselves or their immediate world of, which is slightly more extended, of their their core family unit or their friends and their community or communities and depending on what leadership positions they take and so forth. And so, you know, I look at various, not all, but I'm sure many Indigenous cultures around the world and older cultures around the world that really prioritise rites of passage, that really prioritise the development of our minds and our hearts and our bodies. And I think that's been lost in the sea of, fast-paced living, convenience, um, scarcity, um, you know, the, the growth, the rapid growth of technology, but the declining levels of maturity and consciousness required to hold the, the technological marvels that we're creating as a collective. I think there are, there are various reasons and many more than that. I think broken homes contributes to that as well. Um, 
you know, children raising children, meaning that there are adults that are still regressed in their in their childhood development and they're wounded and they're hurt and they're carrying unresolved trauma and unconsciously or maybe consciously projecting that and injecting that into their own children's lives and into their own lives and into the lives of their partnerships and so forth. And it's this vicious cycle and we're not creating the space to actually heal and move in the wholeness that we are, you know, where, it, you know, it may look like self-sabotaging and it's not necessarily that, it's, it's self-protection, but it is not self-preservation, um, it is destructive. And I'll pause there because I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but that's my response to your question. No, no, it's uh, <laughs> this is completely for he- for you to share. <laughs> you don't have to pause yourself on our account. There's so many, there's so many threads in there that open up, and you know the rites of passage one is is kind of huge and front and center in there. And uh, like you know, I I've heard you share about your daughter, and <laughs> that was a only a matter of time before that came up, I guess. Um, and I mean that specifically because I've got a newborn at home. <laughs> like three weeks uh, old um and so i've just man. been um thank you brother thank you mm-hmm. um i've just been witness to birth uh once again and it's it's even just talking that like let's let's hash that out a little bit because you know you talk about um the birth of your daughter and and you know just how transformative it was for you know i shouldn't put words in your mouth but i remember for myself let's say um the first time my first son was born um and just even just being able to be my wife's not not, not doula, but like kind of her doula, um, being a support person. There was a there was a time where men were not allowed in that sort of woman birthing process, um, and just watching how you know the times are changing. Men are exposed to this part, and actually, I was like her number one person as a support mechanism. Not because I'm so awesome, but <laughs> but like literally just because she need like I'm her you know, trusted confidant and stuff like that. And so I was her support mechanism through that journey. All of that to say, I remember watching her go through the process and man, like a girl went into the, this is the only way I've been able to articulate it to my friends. Is like a girl went in to birthing and a woman came out. Yeah. Like it was night and day. And I look, and I remember consciously looking at that and going, I have never been through anything quite as transformative as what she went through in that moment. Admittedly becoming a father, I've had to integrate the change and the shift. Um, and it's been like a gradual process. Um, and I feel like I've had to step into a maturity and coach myself through, okay, yep. Like I'm evolving and I'm stepping into this boy to man sort of space. But the key thing it elicited for me was this void of rites of passage for men. Right. Um, like I remember I turned 18, I turned 21. I basically just smashed my liver with alcohol. It wasn't really anything enlightening about it or me transforming my consciousness. And if anything, I probably killed some brain cells, to be honest with you. Um, And so watching kind of this, yeah, just this transformation of my wife go from girl to woman um, through the process of birthing. And I'm sure not probably doesn't happen for everybody, but it was very obvious, like, and even just the things she described to me, bro, like she would say things like, I knew I could do it at the time because at some point I had to coll- I had to connect into this idea of collective womanhood. It's like women all over the world are doing this right now as I'm doing it. have been like, doing it. Right? For, for like eons. Yeah. And it's just like this really profound space and just, I guess, an opportunity for us to discuss just, yeah, I, I don't know what the question really is. Is it? asking you about whether it's by design that men have been stripped and not, you know, it's not conspiratorially, like you said, you know, convenience is part of it, but like, you know, what's the, 
men don't have rites of passage. And I guess what is the symptomology of that? What are the challenges with that? Do we need to reinstate them? How do we reinstate them? There's so much to discuss in there. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm conscious. I'm just going to hand it over to you to, to explore your thoughts on the, on the matter. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your, your own personal story with your the birth of your child, man, and, and the witnessing of your, your partner, your wife. You know, it's really beautiful. I, I think that we'll never, as men, we will never experience th- that which is possibly one of the most and we're meaning making machines, right? Like we, we do that. And so the meaning that I assign to a woman giving birth is one of the most, if not the most sacred practice that exists on this planet. And, and look, we, we contribute to that. And don't get me wrong. Like we, we play a role and I don't want to minimize that role in any capacity. And it's not the same. It's very different. <laughs> it's very, very different. It is an interesting, whether you call it design or whether you call it evolution, it is very, very interesting that we are different in that way. And I think, you know, if we really unpack this question, what angle are we taking? What vantage point are we going to take? Where are we going to sit when we speak about this? Are we going to sit and speak to this around, you know, from a non-dual, non-dual perspective, from an ultimately a non-dual perspective where we're just in on this merry-go-round of lifetime after lifetime. And if you're not a, a female in this lifetime, you're a female one down the track and so forth. Like you're everything and all of it. You're the infinite lives that can be lived and everything that you witness and every person that you encounter is ultimately a reflection of you in another life path. And you will eventually be on that path if you haven't already and so forth. Or do you take an, another completely a different view? Like you can get lost in all of this. But what I will say on that is that as a society, we lack the reverence um, for each other. I think, but, and it goes both ways. It goes always. We, but we lack the reverence for the feminine and for um, what the female body is very capable of. And because men are generally physically dominant um, or, or, or physically they carry more prowess, more strength, more, more, more physical fitness, so to speak, we have made that we have conditioned ourselves and our society to make that mean that because of that, we're better. We're, we're, we're a better gender. We're a better biological sex. And that to me is completely wrong and off because even for me, just the logic of the fact that we're saying that means we have something to pin it against. And if that something didn't exist, what would we be? So therefore our value is instantly and immediately derived also from the opposition, from the duality. Right, And I I know I mentioned non-duality a moment ago, and part of non-dual ethos is to be in the duality, to realize that non-duality is what exists and what is, right? And so that, and to me, that's Advaita Vedanta. And so for me, when I, or that's a form and expression of um, non-dualism that I've, that I've subscribed to and follow, do my best to live my life by, um, and not always the best, but I, I do my best. Um, and so th- there's this there's this beautiful gift that the feminine gives us as men um, to soften us when we need to be softened um, and to inspire us when we need to be inspired and to be the muse in our lives to 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 motivate motivate us to move right and to create in the ways that we create. I often think you know one of the reasons why men are so adamant on accomplishment and achievement and creation in the outside world, like in the externalities, is because we're <laughs> we're compensating for what we can't create, which is life. We can't birth life into this world, right? And I'm very clear that not every female can do that for various reasons. However, 
she carries the, the blueprint to do so, right? We don't. We don't. And so, and that's not wrong. That's not bad. It just is. But we, we disrespect and demonize our differences. And if we keep doing that, man, I don't, I don't see how we're going to win and I don't see how we're honestly going to thrive and maybe even survive. Like if we continue to do that, that, that intense segregation and separation is causing us more harm than good. Where if we can just sit in our humility for a moment and say, wow, look at what this woman can do. Look what she's done. How, not how do I be better than her, but how do I raise my own frequency to meet her where she's at in her brilliance? That's a very different proposition as, to, as opposed to let me be better and let me do everything I can to prove that, to validate myself, no matter what the cost. When I find that we're, um, and man, I love the word reverence and the way you're carrying it here, but not but, sorry, and I find when we're, sort of clambering on to like I'm um, picturing like <laughs> anyway uh, people clambering on top of each other to sort of I'm better than you I'm better than you I've got this figured out and there's like this clamber and we're sort of pulling the other person down in order to pull ourselves up to a certain level um underpinning most of that I have found in the past you know I've had to look deep within is this real <sighs> It's hard to avoid it, but it's it's our relationship with our own self worth, right? Um, and that, yeah, it it's when I come across your work, it's you know, I always yeah, I've we've done a few conversations on relationships. A friend of yours was on the podcast recently, Mark Groves, um, and it was a similar sort of hey, okay, let's do let's talk about relationships, and it's like. Yeah, but if you're gonna go as deep as you know Steph goes or Mark goes, it's like, what's your relationship with yourself like? Right? <laughs> you know, it goes into like it, and not even like slowly. It quickly, <laughs> quickly slips into into that space. And um, yeah, as we're projecting, as from what I heard from you, the masculine on the feminine, I really love your perspective on how you shared. Like, yeah, we can only really define better in apostrophes, um, in air quotes, by in comparison. And is it really better? I remember my my best friend. She, I asked. I'm a trippy dippy hippie, right? So I I asked her this question. I was like, Hey, how come women give birth and not men? And she looks at me. She's Syrian, yeah. So she's like rough as guts, and she just calls it straight. She's like, Oi. You're not strong enough. Like <laughs> she just, she's, but it was a great point because it was like actually we think we're strong, but there's a whole yeah. different strength to like carrying something yeah. for nine months and then not complaining yeah. about it for even a second. You know, it's just like if I had to carry something for nine months, you would never hear the end of it. Like, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm telling yeah. you, man, like there's an interconnectedness here that that we weave right, and and we may be externally stronger. Uh, physically stronger, right, as men. However, we will never know if we, as a collective, because we haven't been doing it for millions of years as hominoids, right? When I said the dawn of time, the dawning of our time is really what I meant, right? Our time as as hominoids, as humans, expressions of humans. But it's something that is deeply in the collective. You mentioned the collective feminine earlier, you know, the collective womanhood around the world. It's something that's in, in, it's in embedded, it's, it's deeply rich in the in the blood in the in the in the collective essence and the spirituality of femininity and womanhood right we don't know if we could do that and even if we could it's 
fucking irrelevant. We don't need to. But here's something I just that just sort of came to me. All the wonderful things that men have accomplished in the world, and we have, right? We have, as as, as have women, of course. But all the wonderful things that we've accomplished in the world, even if some of it or a lot of it maybe, I don't know what the percentage is, has come from compensation, right? Has come from like an unhealthy competitive place. It still has driven us at some level, maybe unbeknown to us unconsciously, to create marvels in the world. And and whether we call them inventions or rather rediscoveries as opposed to discoveries, you know, um, we've been inspired at some level by the feminine. Now, how we how we transmute that within ourselves, my opinion is the more intentional we are, the more deliberate we are, then and the more clear we are, the more the more it comes from a healthy, sustainable place within psychosocially, psycho-emotionally, psycho-spiritually, then we're going to be able to achieve not only more, but it's it's going the, the the energetics behind it I think will be cleaner, right? Still doesn't take away some of the amazing things that we've done. Hey guys, just a quick sec. What are your thoughts on masculinity, femininity, toxicity, light, shadow? Love to hear what your thoughts are on all of this. I sometimes get conflicted because it seems like it's somewhat divisive and ultimately there should be more unity around some of this stuff, right? If it's spiritual in its nature, let me know what your thoughts are in the comments below. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. You know, as, as men, as, as a collective, as a society as well. But I think ultimately what has underpinned all that is this deep inspiration and reverence. We just haven't been able to admit it and own it for a woman's creation, female's creation, a female-bodied creation. You've mentioned in your work that it's really important to observe what you call, again, air quotes, pardon me, the come from of any action. And you're describing that just then as well, like the intention behind things. Can you describe the importance of understanding where we're coming from behind the actions we're taking and why it is so important to understand the come from? I think, so a couple of things, right? We're, we're really... Um, we're really heady as a species. So we're very neck up orientated, right? And so because of that, cognition and the cognitive process and analysis, it really reigns supreme in our, in our world. So does understanding, right? Not that creativity doesn't and not that being in the body doesn't, but compared to being in the head, it doesn't actually. You know, a lot of my work that I do when I'm working with clients is really helping them reconnect to their bodies and helping them understand, not even understand, but feel that their nervous systems are a safe space and safe place to be. Their bodies are safe because their nervous system is so hypervigilant because of the experiences that they've had that are unresolved. And so when we understand and we make sense of things and we assign meaning through the symbolism that we witness in our worlds. And symbolism to me is the oldest language we have access to. It's the oldest form of communication and evolution, symbolism, right? Um, and that can be verbal, um, but it's largely nonverbal. Um, when we understand, it creates an access point to deepening. Because we're so heady, we don't need to understand, but it's just so helpful because of where we are as a collective consciousness, what we value as a society, we value education, we value learning, we value memorization, we value analysis, we value knowing, we value understanding deeply. We, don't, we value intuition less. We value the emotional body less, right? And that's evident. It's evident in, you know, we value rationale more. So understanding is an access point, access point to deepening because when we understand there's more familiarity in our world, 
there's less unknown. And when there's less unknown, we feel safer in our bodies. So now we have forward propulsion towards the thing that is unknown to us that we're making known through understanding. And we can start to elicit greater shifts, transformations, changes in our lives. That to me, my friend, is very powerful. And so it's the element of control ultimately that is more masculine and surrender that is feminine. Is that a safe um, extrapolation to make? I would say control is an unhealthy or shadow-based um, masculine quality, yes. Let's go there a little bit because there are certain, uh, yeah, the, the, there is this massive talk about toxic masculinity and you've done an amazing job online to sort of surf your way through the conversation, I guess maybe just giving it a little bit of airtime here today as well. You mentioned that control is a shadow aspect of the masculine um, quality i guess what is in your opinion what are some of the more enlightened versions of the masculine um masculine energetics um that you have found and maybe it's some of what you described earlier the the ability to create yeah i can i can uh i can rattle off a few masculine virtues or qualities um let, and before i do that let me just speak to masculinity and femininity for a moment so masculine and feminine energetics are just that they're energetics that reside within every human being irrespective of your biological sex or or how you may identify right these are energetics these are just dual energetics um and they're contrasted energies and we often learn in rich ways through contrast but they're human qualities first so i'm very clear on that you can replace the terms masculine and feminine with do and be energy go and flow energy active passive energy yang and yin energy um and michaela bond um who's an author and a thought leader in this space speaks to that extensively as well so if we look at healthy masculine virtues or characteristics, and, and I guess by definition of virtue is a masculine trait, but let's just say healthy masculine characteristics, which again can reside within all human beings. Um, we're looking at self-reliance. We're looking at um, healthy competition. We're looking at trustworthiness. We're looking at um, being conscientious and open-minded, um, curious, protective, um, uh, analytical, but not to an extreme sense. Um determined, purposeful, resilient, uh, tough, um, uh, giving energy. The give, giving is the energy of masculinity. Receiving is the energy of femininity. Um, presence, um, humility, um, stillness, focus, um, being singular and rationale in um, the way we move through the world. Um, powerful, um, ethereal, uh, being an explorer. There, there you know, there's a, there's a bunch there. Hey, you're Inspired Tribe. I want to take a quick sec. I wanted to share something today with you that is really dear to my heart. And it's actually what keeps the entire ecosystem around the Inspired Evolution thriving my one-on-one -on -one coaching. So it's basically coaching that helps you live a spiritually aligned life. I coach people from all different types of walks of life. These people are leaders and they're looking to have an incredible spiritual impact in the lives that they're leading for themselves and then also lead in alignment to their values. Now you don't have to take my word for it. Here's a few people that have also transformed through my coaching and here's what they have to say. 
Amrit is a fantastic coach. In a few sessions, he got to a depth that I'd only experienced before working with certain medicines. He's gone through a lot of the struggles that you're probably facing. Then my corporate banking job wasn't really doing it. You feel like you're not making progress towards your goals. And Amrit's been a really strong, supportive figure in my journey. I'm more in control of myself. I'm kinder to myself. I actually have that vision and a purpose. I do feel like I'm a better version of myself already. Amazing energy. He was easy to talk to, which made me easy to trust him. Working with Emmerich at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning and really I was bouncing out of bed. Whenever I get off the calls with Emmerich, best money we've ever spent. <laughs> I would not recommend him because I don't want everyone to know about him and then I won't be able to book him. If he gets too busy, I won't get my turn. I would say absolutely. There's no way you can work with Amrit for a period of time without being transformed. So if you're considering him as a coach, do not hesitate because you won't be disappointed. As you guys can see, there's a lot of people all over the world from all these different corners experiencing incredible transformations. I don't think, if I can say humbly myself, that there is anything quite like this somewhere else online. Most people that you know have channels that you know grow and grow and grow don't really focus on one-to-one -one offerings. I have just found that it is the most profound space where you can bring yourself in a private container and really just share what's going on for yourself. And if you want to book in for that call with me, touch base, it's www amrit.coach forward slash life. That's www.amrit.coach forward slash L-I-F-E. There is a link in the show notes below to book in that call. And yeah, if you want to take your journey further, if you want to dive in deeper and you really want to live a spiritually aligned life, if it's for you, please do check it out. And without too much further ado, once again, for your spirit, for yourself, today's podcast. As I'm hearing you share these, there's this... um. I guess, model of consciousness that I sort of subscribe to, which is uh, fourfold. And we touched on level four, which is Advaita Vedanta, which is the non-dual unified consciousness. In level one, I sort of see life is happening to you. Uh, level two, life is happening um, by me. And in level three, life is happening for me. And in level four, life is happening as me. Um, and you're nodding, so I think I'm sharing something that you're aware of. Um, in there, one of the key things I sort of label level two consciousness as is this achiever because life is happening by me and sets a bunch of goals. And in level three, we're kind of life is happening for me and it's more of a flower or a surrenderer. Um, in there, describing, you know, what you mentioned about flow um, and some of the masculine qualities, it does seem like more of the masculine qualities live in level two and more of the feminine qualities live in level three. It is an interesting time to be alive as you sort of see a shift. Well, there are cracks appearing in patriarchal structures, let's just put it that way. Um, do you think there's a collective shift in consciousness going on at the moment? And is it a shift towards a more feminine direction? By the definition of we're seeing greater movements towards inclusion um, and if inclusion is considered a feminine quality then yes we're moving towards a more dominant feminine-led world to some degree and do you reckon therein lies the heart of why it's becoming like there is a bit of an existential crisis somewhat collectively for men happening at the moment because I've noticed even for myself we go back to sorry just to sort of pop it in there um like watching the example of 
I'm by no means a saint of a partner. Yeah, like this is going to, and I just want to sort of <laughs> put that massive asterisk there. But when I look back at the previous generation, like I, I'm a weapon at changing nappies, bro. Like I am so good. I could do it half asleep in the middle of the night. I don't turn a light on. I could do it in the dark. I'm a gun, even if I can say so myself. But my dad never changed a single nappy. My wife's father never changed a single nappy. Now that doesn't make him bad. They had very different archetypes, right? Very different role models, very different generation. But also what I'm finding in this particular generation, like my they were my dad wasn't present at my at my birth, right? Like he was working. He was literally at work. Um, and that was totally normal. It's not even frowned upon. And I think about the hands-on role I had in my wife's birth and just watching, not again, I'm not the same. It's just this how much has shifted in one generation like whoa yeah just watching that and just kind of going holy cow like there is such a shift that is underway um and finding our place in it as men when well we're actively birthing ourselves as the role models we want to see and it's just it feels so uncharted can you speak to that existential kind of what the fuck? Huh. Yeah, I think it is an existential awakening slash crisis slash both uh, for men. I think there's a there's various there's various reasons why men are struggling at the moment, maybe being quote unquote targeted, and I don't want to paint us to be a vic to be victims because that's not helpful at all, and that's not really what's happening. Um, in any capacity, um, is it a changing of the guard? I, I don't, I don't know if that's the case. But what I do know is that we're being asked as a collective, as a humanity, as individuals, to do better and to do more. More in the sense of the old ways aren't working: the segregation, the oppression, the judgment, the manipulation. You know, unhealthy, toxic, masculine, and feminine traits. They're not. It's not working anymore. Um, Men are disillusioned in many respects as a result of that. You're seeing movements like um, men's rights movements, uh, men going their own way movements, um, uh, you know, pickup artistry coming through. You know, that's been around for a long time. But these these movements that are advocating for a men-only space and basically demonizing women, and that's all bullshit, man, to me. To me, it's all bullshit. Like, it's just, we're just, you know, we're doing we're just isolating ourselves where we're making someone else at fault and not taking responsibility and ownership for where we stand as individuals and not dealing with our pain and our trauma and letting it be unresolved and conveniently blaming others. Right. And the, you know, the extreme, the, maybe the voice of the minority and the extreme movement around the, the multiple feminist movements that have come on, online and they've done amazing things for creating greater equity in our society, right, from that perspective. Um, and they've also done some damage. It's done some collateral damage to, to men so where some men have retracted where, where, you know, men don't want to be judged and don't want to be um, told they're wrong in their own sense of expression of masculinity. So they're retracting from the world. But that's not healthy. It's not healthy for men to retract from the world. It's not healthy for women to retract from the world. We have to face our stuff, but we've got to, you know, I'm of the sort of the belief that we've got to do our individual work and we've got to, you know, deal with the core stuff that's within us and then come together as a collective, come together as men and women and do that deeper healing work. But we have to reach a very, a particular foundation 
of of maturity and consciousness before we can come together because it can be it's going to be very intense like that healing process is you know fortunately or unfortunately it's going to be intense because that's part of the nature of the beast again i i attribute that to our collective consciousness um where we need rock bottom in order to elicit deep transformation it's not the only way to change at all however it seems that that's what we need as individuals in a collect as, as a collective um, to make that change. And I'm also going to be mindful here and I'm just going to say this, you know, I don't want to project my experiences into this conversation because for me, I needed rock bottom to change. I had multiple <laughs> opportunities to change, but I needed multiple both. rock bottoms. Yeah. yeah. And, and you'll find that most And I was going to say, it's like rock bottom is, in, it's incredibly effective. <laughs> Very. Well, yes, it can be. Well, yes, it is. It is. And it isn't like it either is and you change or you kill yourself. Or you go deeper into the void, like drug use and, and, and addictions and so forth. Like you move away from connectivity and intimacy. You move away from taking ownership, responsibility, and 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 doing and exerting effort and doing the work. So it would take you one of two ways, right? Uh, and so again, I, don't, I just want to be mindful. I don't want to inject my my biases from my experiences into this. And honestly, man, the vast, vast, vast nine point nine 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 something percent of people that I work with, you know, uh, sorry, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people that I work with need that rock bottom before they actually change. Yeah, it's one of my um, favorite quotes. Um, is like, you know, until and I'm going to butcher it, but nonetheless, it's like until the un- discomfort of staying where you are isn't greater than the like discomfort of like change and evolve you know you're just going to be stuck where you are and some and that's where the rock bottom really comes in it's like oh it's really uncomfortable being here what the fuck like and then you've kind of got to spit yourself out into a whole new space um not too dissimilar to the symbolism of birth we were discussing earlier one of the things you're mentioning now and just this visual representation is present for me in this conversation at the moment is this pendulum you know it's like we've kind of gone from this like hyper masculine space we're swinging in and you know there's probably been somewhat of this compensatory effect as it's swinging back to the feminine and you know there's this and I've noticed this within myself like the ever elusive call to balance (laughs) within oneself when we're discussing masculine feminine energies you mentioned it's within us um and then also you you touched on our own inner work there and I'm sure there's like you know things swing one way things swing another way what does um and this is a very open question but what does the inner work look like because you mentioned it's important for us to do our own work before the masculine and the feminine come together and there's there's a healing at large that you know is available to that but before we end up in that space we've we've got to look within what does that look within um how does it start what does it really you know what what is that body of work that you're referring to there the short of it is the short of doing our inner work is that we make the conscious, we make the unconscious conscious, we make the unknown known. So that means that if there is unresolved trauma, if there is uh, experiences that we've moved through, things that happen to us that are still lodged and stuck in our psyche and our nervous system, that are honestly and earnestly making the decisions of how we live our lives as adults, unbeknown to us, and these are patterns that are cyclic that are, that are cyclical and cycling through our relationships and our intimacy and the choices that we make and any with respect to anything that's important to us, then we need to do our work around that. We need to explore the core of that. What that looks like is often reframing that story, uh, but not that's not the first step. 
The first step is feeling safe enough in our bodies and regulated in our bodies, learning to regulate our nervous system so that we can actually address the pain that was unfelt and unexpressed. And to do that in safe spaces and to do that in the presence of others. And you can work with a therapist, you can work with a coach, you can do inner child work, you can leverage multiple modalities, somatic work, breath work, you can move into plant medicines, you can do a combination of all these things and more, you can do family constellation work, there's so many modalities that you can use, you know, NLP, hypnosis, the list goes on and on, right? Um, what's going to work best is going to be what works best for you at the time of your life in that in that space, but also it's the practitioner, it's the people you surround yourself by where you can diffuse shame and you can release judgment and you can move into compassion. And this is the, the deep work that um, I do with my clients that Christine and I do as well um, together with, our, with each other, of course, and when, when, it, when it's called for and, and with the people that we work with. And so that is to me doing the inner work. That is, that is, Really, it's self-exploration, it's self-awareness, and it's changing patterns. If you're showing up in relationship and you're attracting unavailable partners, they're emotionally unavailable, or you lack the ability to be vulnerable, or you know, sex feels very frigid and rigid for you, or um, you know, you're very argumentative in relationship, relationship after relationship after relationship, you need to be right, you need to be right, and it's causing conflict. You're the common denominator in that. You're bringing that pattern to the relationship. If you don't like it and it doesn't suit you and serve you, it has a source. It has a wellspring. It's Something is fueling that pattern. Go into the pattern. That's the exploration, right? Because what's happening often as adults is we're regressing to younger stages of our lives where that child, that teenager, and by the way, the inner child is, you know, in my opinion, up to the age of 24, 25, 26 years of age, right? Really when our brain fully develops. Um, and so you you are probably acting from a younger regressed place so heal the relationship to that that little boy or girl right Re learn to reparent yourself learn to forgive learn to feel learn to be with these parts of you that you've shunned and hidden and compartmentalized this is the shadow work this is the shadow work that jung speaks to at an individual level and at a collective level that to me man is is inner work in a nutshell thank you so much for for covering that i want to dive deeper into this inner child work and it's amazing to hear you say that sometimes it goes up to 25 26 until the brain stops forming it's um well forming you know it's it's larger part of its initial uh, developmental sprint let's call it that um i find myself as a parent again leaning back into my own experience a little bit here um saying to my closest friends is like i i can this is going to sound judgmental but nonetheless it's I can I can sort of see from an awareness standpoint where my limitations are and what age things were trapped in. And it's just the the shadow work ability to do your own work is just so present when you're a parent because you get triggered. And when you get triggered, the key thing that's uh the key thing that's being pointed at you is then like there's below it is like, oh, that's all my shadow gooey stuff, and above it is all my light. And the key reason I'm operating from down here is because emotional regulation and that's what I found again and again just the ability to regulate my emotions is one of the and I'm going to be pretty fat fingered in the paintbrush I draw here but um, it feels like that is the only thing that really separates me from boy to man is my ability to regulate my emotions when it comes to raising a family and like role modeling out the types of behavior that I want for my sons as opposed to the kind of <laughs> behavior that I'm like oh shit I'm still I'm one of them. <laughs> like I'm still a kid, bro. And it's, you know, that realization, like for me, it's just like, how well do I regulate emotion? And in there, yeah, I think there's a real depth that 
the inner child work affords us. But then also you seem to, when I've been exposed to your work, it just seems to be like, sorry for how I'm going to articulate this, but you, you, you bring the nervous system conversation all the way down into the depths of the inner child depths um, with you when I'm exposed to your work, Steph. Can you describe, um, well, either or, like, or both together, like the, the inner child work I think is definitely a rabbit hole I wanted to open up today with yourself and then also the, um, the nervous system. But is there a way for us to have the conversation of both of them together um, and how important and if there is a link and how deep that link runs between the pair of them? Uh, the link runs deep, man, and there is a, there is a deep connection between inner child work and the nervous system. They go hand in hand. You know, for a long time, I held a belief that um, the soul and the spirit uh, was superior to the body. And these days, instead of um, assigning you know a hierarchy to that, I see that the, the the soul it's not that it doesn't exist without the body it doesn't exist in this form in this expression without the body and similarly you, you can't speak to inner child work without speaking to the nervous system you can't speak to the nervous system without speaking to inner child work because as we evolve and as we grow and as we move through varied and diverse experiences in life both our nervous systems and our psychology at that age and at that demographic is absorbing the information that is being fed to it. And if that information is intense, abuse in any form, as an example, physical abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, um, demeaning words, being put down, bullied, being ostracized, whatever it may be, if we carry that experience, it registers in our nervous systems and it registers in our psyches. And that is connected to how old we are as well. And the stage of development that we're in as well. So there's a lot to be said for uh, combining somatic work and nervous system work with the psychosocial, psycho-emotional, psycho-spiritual elements of inner child. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How does one start forming a relationship with one's nervous system? Yeah, very simply, man, it depends where you're at. So we want to meet people where they're at with respect to their nervous systems and their bodies. Some people have experienced so much torment being in their bodies for whatever their reasons are, right, that 
the simple act of exercise is too difficult. Uh, just, you know, just uh, walking or even going for a run or lifting some weights or doing some yoga, the moment that the body is challenged, there's this resistance to going into any pain because they've experienced so much pain. So the, the, the MO is aversion to pain. So I really often, I start people very light and I meet them where they're at, right? It depends where they're, where they're at in their lives, but I start them very light. I just want mindfulness and attention, attentiveness to being in the body. So go for a 10 minute walk, 10 minutes, five minutes. I don't care. Three minutes. I don't care. Five minute walk, three minute walk. And just feel your feet making contact with the ground through your shoes. Just be mindful of that. Be aware of that. When you have a shower, feel the water on your skin. Right? When you're outside and there's a little bit of sunshine, stop, pause for a moment, feel your skin warming up as the sun is making contact to your skin. Just start small by being in your body just a little bit, right? You know, multiple times a day, just squeeze your fingers. Just like this. Feel, close your eyes, remove that primary sensory, external sensory organ and just feel. And maybe just fingers together, hear it. You know, sounds can be very activating and triggering for people as well, right? And so sit for a moment and just listen to some music that feels good. How does that land in your body? You know, people may say, what does that even mean, land in my body? Well, how do you feel in your body? Do you feel warmth? Do you feel comfort? Do you feel happiness and joy? Start placing uh, states of being to what your body is expressing. We start really, really slow, man, really, really slow. Maybe you're not accustomed to getting a massage. If it doesn't feel unsafe, get a massage once a month. And just, you know, maybe drop four grams of mushrooms. Maybe not. I'm teasing, but I'm not. But I'm not. I'm also not. It depends where you're at. Like, you know, maybe four grams is too much, depending on the strain. But maybe microdose, whatever. Like, get into your body. And sometimes we use Kana or Sassafras or even, you know, high-quality MDMA or whatever it may be. And I'm not, I'm not a practitioner of, of those substances. And I have a very strong... Um, a very firm, I should say, perspective on the use of um, sacrament and plant medicine. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm joking and I'm being serious as well. I like, want to meet people where they're at, right? Um, sometimes people need a little bit more of a, just because of their personality, they need more of a shock. So maybe we say, okay, let's, let's go bungee jumping. Let's really get you in your body, you know, like because, because they can tolerate that. They have the resilience for that. But more than likely, they're very rare cases, more than likely, they're just playing into a, a compensation, a compensatory pattern um, to condition themselves. But really, they, they're, they're paradoxically, they're getting in the body to get out of the body, right? Um, and it's the adrenaline and everything else that they're addicted to that pulls them away from actually facing their pain. So we want to do less of that. We want to soften. Maybe you go to a sound healing journey, right? A sound healing session um, at your local yoga studio. And you know, you, you lay and you just you hear the gongs and whatever other instruments are being played and you, you feel the vibration moving through your body. Just pay attention. Just be as still as you can. Sometimes I'll just get people practicing stillness, man, literally just laying down for a few minutes and not moving at all and just breathing really, really slow. And that can be so uncomfortable for people. So it, it just depends, man. I want people to be uncomfortable, but I also want them to be comfortable enough and not too uncomfortable. So I'm giving you some examples, um, but there are many, you know, like it's like go chop wood, go outside and chop some wood or go carry some stuff um, that needs to be moved from your garage to the, the, the front um, verge or something. Just do things to get in your body, right? Irrespective of what it is. Go outside and crawl for a bit. Put your feet, your bare feet in the grass. 
Like just do that. Feel. What does that feel like to have your bare feet in the grass? One of the things I'm recognizing as you're sharing is even the, um, and again, this is with love, so I don't want to sound super um, pushy about it, but even just the, um, I'm recognizing there's points of resistance um, in movement, even even for me, and I touch wood, love working out. Um, and so in there it's recognizing that actually those bits of resistance are actually somewhat, yeah, somewhat associated to pain. And it's interesting actually watching the psychosomatic um, sort of relationship between um, between things. I've recently been um, devouring the works of a gentleman named John E. Sarno. I'm not sure if you've come across him, but um, he talks about lower back pain and then he's extrapolated that to back pain to like physical pain. And I was watching, of all shows <laughs> recently, um, The Crown. Um, I'm not sure if everyone's seen it on Netflix, but it's about, um, it's about Queen Elizabeth and her reign. And there's a particular point where her partner, he's actually talking, and then, you know, I bring it up because it's something as mainstream as a show like that that's won a bunch of awards and stuff. And her Queen Elizabeth's partner, uh, I don't know what this is right, the Duke of Windsor, whatever his name, Philip is, he talks about, he's talking to Diana and he goes, you know, sometimes you've got back pain. And, you know, I know what it is, but it's sometimes it's just easier to label it as back pain. And he goes, and, he, and she goes, well, what do you mean what is? And he's like, well, you know, it's all my anger. It's all my resentments. It's all my frustrations that present as back pain. And I've been researching the work of Dr. John uh, Sano and he, he's just like, yeah, look, like you might think you've got back pain, but really it's suppressed emotions. It's repressed emotions. And if you can learn to give yourself permission to work with your emotions, he found again, again through. He died, I think, about ten odd years ago, um, maybe fifteen now. But he said, if you can learn to deal with the emotions through his practitioner's like work of like forty, fifty years, he found dealing with the emotions was much more effective than actually dealing with the body. Uh, towards the end of his, towards the last twenty years of of his work, it was like I just stopped. I it basically similar to what you said. It's like go out and get a walk but look at your look at your emotions look at your shit um and really that's where stuff starts to come apart in the body and i think it's really it's transforming my perspective but i'm conscious it's probably part of yours already in terms of what you're describing in that you know as you described like before the there's there's such a natural sort of oh yeah we've got soul and spirit especially in my like this kind of community that we're in um which is like you know spot spirit and soul is given this preference but really it's completely all intrinsically woven in on one, isn't it? Like it's it's a real state of affairs once you start to wrap your head around how emotions are actually navigating their way through your entire being, right? Yeah, man, there's so much that we don't know. There's so much complexity, aka layers to our existence and our expression and our just our way of being, right? Um, it's big. It's really, really big. And, you know, the, the, the reality, the reality is that there's so much we don't know. That's not to say that we can't navigate, manage, deepen, expand our own sense of selves when it comes to emotions. You know, I, I really go back to what is driving repetitive behavior? What's driving our patterns? Is it something that is we're very aware of, that's healthy, that's sustainable, that we're conscious of, 
or is it something that is unresolved within us to protect us? So we've become hypervigilant or hyperprotective in our physiology, in our nervous systems, where we contract and retract and in our psychology as well, in our relationality. And I think if we can get really honest with that question and say, oh, yeah, maybe this pattern is probably coming from an unresolved thing from my past. I'm not sure what, but I'm willing to explore it, even though it's difficult. Then we begin to understand that, you know, the mind-body feeling, mind-body emotion complex, right? And, and I don't know which one drives which. I think it's cyclical. I think they feed into each other, right? And they become, they become entrenched patterns. You know, our, our contraction when we experience abuse or violation, you know, we contract in our nervous system. There is an, there is an emotion that's associated with that. There's an, an imaging, a scanning that happens of that environment. And then from there, you know, we, we make decisions about what's safe and what's not in life that are reinforced by emotions, by physiology, by psychology, by relationships, by all the things that we notice and don't notice. And so I think it's just very complex but that doesn't mean, again, like this is our need to understand things. And again, I'm, I'm, I very much value understanding and it does have a place. It just, it just doesn't have the only place and sometimes it doesn't have a primary place. What I've found, you know, anecdotally, and, and I, look, I, I know there is some empirical evidence for this, but I, what I've found anecdotally in working with people for 24 years, the past 24 years pretty much, is that sometimes, most of the time, all we need to do is have a release in a safe space and then with coupled with integration, but a release of the thing that is stuck within us and we don't need to cognitively, cognitively need to understand it in that moment. And the massive transformation or deep, meaningful, sustainable transformation can really take place from that, from that space. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that because I think it um, yeah, really speaks to yeah, just the interconnectedness of it all, and also, yeah, the the, the incessant need for uh, the the modern mind to to understand its shifts and where it's going and chart out. But actually, there's a big part of allowing that to fall off the edge of the cliff, and sometimes that's a necessary ingredient to allow the shifts in the internal systems to appear. In a child work, so everything you've been describing thus far seems to be pointing significantly to that space. It's like where did these patterns drop in for you? And oftentimes, um, yeah, we find that those patterns are programmed in for a lot of us earlier on. And maybe it's worth me just even asking the question because I find when I'm putting up barriers against things and I'm not looking at patterns, it's because there's some self-worth stuff packed in underneath there. Um I was going to say nine times out of 10, I found 10 times out of 10. It's always, I don't feel enough. So I'm not willing to be vulnerable in this particular space, the places where I've done the work. And I'm like, actually, I know who I am and where I'm at with all of this. And, you know, I've got some edges, I've got some strengths. Great. Those places I don't really get triggered around, but the places where I'm sort of like holding up a guard and performing out a pattern, it's like, you know, my, my common one's defensiveness. Um, someone will say something, I'll get defensive. <laughs> it's like, why'd you get defensive? And it's like, oh, actually there's a whole bunch of self-worth stuff packed in underneath there for you to, for you to look at like why that scaffolding is holding up the shield, you know, it's like, oh, okay, what's in there? And it's like, oh, there's that tender bit there. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, you know, so that seems to be a common pattern touch wood just, you know, in myself. Um, but I'm not, I'm not sure if self-worth stuff is everybody's gambit or if it's most people's gambits. I'd love to get your insights on most, that. Um, self-esteem, most, self-worth stuff is most people's gambit. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and so the inner child stuff, I guess, for those that are being exposed to it for the first time in this conversation, which, you know, given this audience is, yeah, it is possible. Um, what, like what do you, when you're describing the inner child, building a relationship with the inner child, can you unpack that a little bit for us? Because we've been discussing emotions um, and then we're sort of leapfrogging to terminology of inner child. So if I'm hearing correctly, you're asking how do we access the inner child? Yeah, that would be a way better way to ask the question. Yeah, no, that's okay. I just want to make sure I'm hearing what you're asking so I can explore it accordingly with, with your intention. Uh, so various ways, you, you know, something that I, I see, you know, with my daughter and, and she's nearly two now is this, and it's getting, it's getting deep, it's deepening more and more every day, especially the last probably couple of months is this just, she immerses herself in her own world, right? She just plays, she's starting to talk to herself. She's whispering to herself. She's loves playing with dolls and all these people and, you know, depictions of people and placing them in certain areas around the house and then putting them in certain ways around her little doll house and, She's just immersed in imagination, right? And so often for so many of us as children, our imagination was taken from us. Again, we either experienced abuse in our household or in our environment or our parents were in survival mode or our parents divorced and there was less time for play and or, you know, the household was just run in a very rigid, structured way and there were lots of rules or, you know, you maybe you moved around a lot and there was just so much unknown, whatever it was, like volatility, violence, um, you know, moving schools a lot, just maybe being, you know, the, the fifth child out of eight or something. And you just got, you got a little lost in the, in the mix and, you know, whatever we, we, our imagination is often just stripped from us. You know, our parents sometimes are so disenchanted with life themselves that they're just, they're mean and they don't mean to be mean, but they're mean and they're, they're just trying to survive themselves. And, you know, when they witness the imagination of and the innocence of a child playing out, it, it, it aggravates them because they can't access that. And they lost that at such a young age, you know, and they had to grow up and maybe you as a child are enmeshed with your parents and you had to grow up really quick and you had to look after the family or one of your parents passed away and you had to start working earlier than you wanted to and responsibilities and all those things. Or you just took it on yourself as the eldest in the house. I'm just giving you a bunch of relatable examples, right? But accessing that inner child is about accessing innocence and joy and play. And honestly, man, that can be really, that can be equally as challenging for people as is doing deep shadow work and accessing their trauma and releasing that because it's so foreign. And it's and, and and it goes back to what you said about self-worth. People just don't believe they deserve joy. They don't believe that they're worthy of joy and innocence and play. And so helping people feel safe in their bodies, letting them know that they can trust themselves and they can trust the process. They can trust the environment again. That's the beginning stages. Then we start to, you know, through visualization techniques or through embodiment practices or trauma release exercises or emotional release practices, we start to get them into the body and start connecting with that part of them, right? And the inner child, there's multiple parts. There's an eight-year-old part, a six-year-old part, a 12-year-old part. And by the way, there's multiple parts of the eight-year-old as well. There could be multiple eight-year-old selves, you know? And so it's not like this journey where we have to get in there straight away. It's just about exploration and whatever needs to be revealed in this moment, trusting that and then navigating that, right? So forging a relationship and an awareness with that part of our psyche 
that still is running the show in certain areas of our lives and being in deeper communion and relationship with that, forging a relationship, being in communication. What does that part need? What's it telling you? What did it experience? What did it need back then that it didn't get? What was it really joyous about? Did it have any joy? Was it able to experience joy? If it did, how did it experience that? Really getting to know yourself in that. This is where understanding comes in, into play, but it's in combination with feeling. So there's, there's some examples of, um, and then there's other techniques and practices, right? Like where we can, we can start doing um, practices where like cross-lateral nervous system practices where we're stimulating certain areas of the brain that are activating our creativity and imagination and playfulness that, that help us access that inner self, right? that inner child as well. So there's lots of different techniques to use, but they're, they're good starting points. What are some of those cross-lateral exercises um, like look like? Yeah. So an, an example, um, <laughs> one example is if you're right hand dominant, when you write, write with your left hand, right? And when you're writing with your left hand, speak as your 12 year old self or 10 year old self, or you're in a, you know, you're in a child, right? And write a letter to, to yourself and one hand represents the adult self and the other hand represents the, the non-dominant hand for me to my left represents, um, the, the inner child, right? And, and that can be an access point as an, as an example. You know, color, coloring in with your non-dominant hand, um, drawing with your non-dominant hand. Um, these can be really, really helpful practices. Um, doing things like this. And then, and then squatting and or moving, you know, lunging and moving and so forth, like going upside down. And if you, if you can, of course, some people can't do that, but doing a handstand against the wall or something. That, that can start to stimulate parts of you as a person that haven't been accessed before, you know. And there's other simple techniques such as um, just watch something funny on YouTube. Uh, literally just, you know, for me, I just, I like to watch the old, older comedians like Eddie Murphy and I just, I just sit there and laugh, you know. It's just, just laugh, man. And that, and that can be really difficult for people, you know, have fun and play and go bowling, 10 pin bowling, or go to a fair or go to an arcade or something. Just, you know, go to a water park or, um, like, a you know, um, I don't know, Disneyland or something, whatever the equivalent of that is like that, uh, you know, theme park. I just have fun. Do the things that you didn't do as a kid. Right. Um, you know, play hopscotch, and that's cross-lateral stuff too, you know, like, you know, you, you jump and cross your feet and do and skip and do things like that, depending your body can handle it. Um, you know, some people can't, of course, and there's no, no disrespect at all. Some people are either elderly or they're just, they're, they're just not adept in their bodies, whatever, but where you can move your body, like be, you know, go for a walk in the forest and, or in the bush or mountains or jump in the ocean or go swim naked in the ocean, whatever, like just be a kid, fucking wear a diaper. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like sometimes, sometimes you have to do shit like that. Um, just don't identify as a, as a baby, as a, as a one-year-old when you're a, you know, 45-year-old man. Um, you know, don't be a fucking idiot, basically. <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being facetious here. Um, some people have mental It sounds so good when we say that with the Aussie accent. No, don't be a fucking idiot. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it does sound good, yeah. Yeah, and a part, part of me means that. Like, I'm going to own that. Like, don't be a fucking idiot. You're better than that. Yeah. <laughs> what are the benefits um, other than not being a fucking idiot? Sorry, stop. What are some of the benefits of doing all this work, bro? Um, freedom at and connection. Freedom and, intim yeah. freedom and intimacy, man. Freedom and intimacy. Like it's, and, and, you know, people are going to define freedom differently in their world. But freedom and intimacy. You, you uh, are going to get closer to yourself, closer to the things that matter to you, 
closer with others. You're going to be able to repair conflict quicker. You're going to be able to move away from conflict, not in, in, in avoidance because you're running from it, because you're just a more mature person. You're going to love life more. You're going to be in greater joy. You're going to play more. You're going to be happier more often. You're going to be able to problem solve better. You're going to be more creative. You're going to be more highly analytical and more efficient in your thinking. Your relationships are going to be more on fire. They're going to be more meaningful. You're going to be more grateful. You'll experience the 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 activation and the essence and the vibration, the frequency of gratitude in your life in way deeper ways. Man, I can be in nature and I will just start crying. I will just start crying because I'm in such awe. I, even if it's just a, a walk in a forest or something, you put me in an, in an ocean or in a mountain, forget about it. I'm fucking waterworks, man. Like you have access to that part of you, like that love for life. Like you don't just see a sunset setting over the ocean anymore. You see, you see a fucking marvel in front of you every day, day in, day out, if you're lucky enough to live on the West Coast, right? Or wh- wherever you see the sun setting over the ocean, which is generally the West Coast. So <laughs> so, so it's, it's, just, it's just this phenomenon that is more than just, oh, yeah. There's a reason why people congregate to the to the, to watch a sunset, especially over ocean. Right? It's just the most stunning thing. But doing this in a child work, you access levels of joy far greater than you have before. Your finances, like your relationship to money, because it's energetics, right? Because your self worth raises when you're in joy, when you're in gratitude, when you're in authenticity, which is when the high, the highest vibration we can be in, right? Because and you're living authentically because you're not living from trauma. You now your relationship to things, material things, immaterial things, completely shifts. So your self-worth raises, your value raises, your intrinsic worthiness, sense of self raises. So of course you're going to attract. Now now we start moving into real law of attraction stuff, right? Because you're vibrating at a different from a different place, but you've done your inner work. You've gone through the gauntlet. You've gone to war with yourself and with life, so to speak, to, to come through and not have to continue that war anymore. And so your whole life just fucking changes, man. I mean, your intuition expands as well because you're a clearer channel of being. Your stack, your internal stack is healthier. You're more mature as a person. You know, you choose your friends more wisely. You're more discerning with the people that you spend your time with and the choices that you make. Addictions start to fall away because you're feeling connected to life. Addictions are devoid of intimacy and connection. I mean, I can keep going, man, but I think that's a a good place to stop. Brother, thank you so much. And each of those is a podcast unto themselves, I think. Um, one of the other pieces in there and then is the benefits for us doing this work on ourselves. You mentioned that's where it starts, but then there's this massive healing that's awaiting us collectively as well. Um, the benefits for, I guess, society um, as we as we do this work on ourselves. Is it safe to say that there is an extrapolative benefit um, on the collective? Yes. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, there has to be, man, because, well, there has to be in my mind because the individuals make the whole, right? And so the more the more um, available we make ourselves to the world, um, the, more we, the more we contribute in meaningful ways. I love that. And for those that want to dive deeper into, yeah, just the inner child work, the inner child healing, I think – you and Christine together are facilitating an inner child workshop coming up. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. February 29th, we officially uh, begin and we've been doing this workshop for four years. We actually started doing this in the pandemic and got a really um, 
pandemic or pandemic, I don't know, wherever, whatever position you take in, in the world, I just thought I'd throw in that there, stir people up a little bit. Um, either way, during the times of 2020, because we wanted to just give back to the community in a really meaningful way and been doing this work for so long. So we structured it, put it together. We did a level one, level two. So we're teaching level one over a 10-week period. Um, starting February 29th, and it's powerful, man. Like it's super, super powerful work. Uh, you can you can jump on christinehassler.com slash reconnect. It's all about reconnecting to the inner self, of course, and the inner child. Yeah, brilliant. I'll put a link to that in the show notes below, as well as, man, yeah, for me, I, I'd love digging through your YouTube videos. I know your Instagram following is so for those of most people connect to your stuff on Instagram. Um, but I have a, a real soft spot for, for your work on, on YouTube as well. The videos that you're putting out. And again, like, you know, I've, I've tried to sort of encompass a few elements. I think I mentioned in the intro, even to today, like there is, you know, yeah, we can, Monica, you as relationship expert and coach, but then this is, yeah, all the different rabbit holes that are available to us and all the different kind of conversations when there's so many nuances to trauma, to empowerment, to healing, to self-love, man, that, you know, I appreciate the the content that you're putting out in YouTube alone, let alone everything else that you're doing. And I think that brings me to the point of gratitude today, man. I, like, I, of course, I'm going to thank you for today's conversation, but, you know, it pales in comparison to yeah, like you said, you know, um, scraping the bottom of the barrel is an effective path for transformation. And, you know, I think just it speaks volumes, the amount of the, the grace with which you hold space, brother, um, for the types of conversations that we're having. And so it's not lost upon me that it's, you know, a lifetime at least worth of work that informs the the conversation we get to stand on the shoulders of today. So thank you so much for, for you doing you, man, and just, yeah, really being able to share yourself so abundantly here with us today. Thanks, brother. Thank you for Mm. yeah. Thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it. The only part I didn't get to cover the ground on in today's episode was um one of my favourite um sort of unpackings or musings musings. Can I call it that? Anyway, just speak to whatever. Um, was the um yeah the the there's a there's a piece that you brought into my consciousness which was around like God speaks to you in silence and stillness, and man after hearing that like the number of times i've just found myself reflecting on that like it's just and how centering it is to just even just hold that in your psyche as like there's fucking fire thank you so much bro thank you like yeah that's been huge for me hey you're inspired tribe i want to take a quick sec i wanted to share something today with you that is really dear to my heart and it's actually what keeps the entire ecosystem around the inspired evolution thriving my one-on-one coaching so it's basically coaching that helps you live a spiritually aligned life i coach people from all different types of walks of life that these people are leaders and they're looking to have an incredible spiritual impact in the lives that they're leading for themselves and then also lead in alignment to their values now you don't have to take my word for it here's a few people that have also transformed through my coaching and here's what they have to say Amrit is a fantastic coach. In a few sessions, he got to a depth that I'd only experienced before working with certain medicines. And He's gone through a lot of the struggles that you're probably facing. Then my corporate banking job wasn't really doing it. You feel like you're not making progress towards your goals. And Amrit's been a really strong, supportive figure in my journey. I'm more 
gain control of myself. I'm kinder to myself. I actually have that vision and a purpose. I do feel like I'm a better version of myself already. Amazing energy. He was easy to talk to, which made me easy to trust him. Working with Emirate at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning and really I was bouncing out of bed. Whenever I get off the calls with Emirate, best money we've ever spent. <laughs> I would not recommend him because I don't want everyone to know about him and then I won't be able to book him. If he gets too busy, I won't get my turn. I would say absolutely. There's no way you can work with Amrit for a period of time without being transformed. So if you're considering him as a coach, do not hesitate because you won't be disappointed. As you guys can see, there's a lot of people all over the world from all these different corners experiencing incredible transformations. I don't think if I can say humbly myself that there is anything quite like this somewhere else online. Most people that you know have channels that you know grow and grow and grow don't really focus on one-to-one -one offerings. I have just found that it is the most profound space where you can bring yourself in a private container and really just share what's going on for yourself. And if you want to book in for that call with me, touch base, it's www amrit.coach forward slash life. That's www.amrit.coach forward slash L-I-F-E. There is a link in the show notes below to book in that call. And yeah, if you want to take your journey further, if you want to dive in deeper and you really want to live a spiritually aligned life, if it's for you, please do check it out. And without too much further ado, once again, for your spirit, for yourself, today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.